Hello, this is not Richard Dreyfus, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't listen to the 430 Movie podcast at 430movie.com. If you're a fan of the 430 Movie, you'll love Best Movies Never Made, hosted by myself, Josh Miller. And Steven Scarlatta. Where we explore some of the greatest movies never made, like E.T. 2. Johnny Quest. Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. And Halloween 3D. New episodes available every other Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, if you're a Star Wars fan, check out the new Star Wars podcast, The Rebel and the Rogue, every Tuesday on the Electric Surge Network, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Dockerman, and we are the Inglorious Trexperts. And I have a feeling we have quite a delightful show for you today. I can't promise you, but I'm pretty sure from the pre-show conversation that this is going to be a winner. I, I mean, I don't know if it's going to be as entertaining as, you know, Rafe Needleman, but it's going to be pretty damn good. So anyway, I want to introduce you. We got uh, returning uh, champion special guest Ashley Miller. You know him as the uh, writer of such movies as Thor and X-Men First Class. He's a writer-producer on uh, shows like Black Sails and um, Fringe and uh, has something else cool coming up that he's not allowed to talk about it's like I, it's so embarrassing because like you've been working on this for like eight months and it's like I'm collecting unemployment or something as far as the world is concerned yeah, yeah. Exactly. and you may very well be I, I might very well be <laughs> the government doesn't know exactly and, uh, but uh, so anyway I hear a voice and whose voice is that you may ask it is the voice of Reka Sharma Reka Rika 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 I said Reka Riker. Ri- just call you number one. Call me Riker. Just gonna call you number one. Red alert. And of course, you 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 probably wonder, you know, what is she doing on the show? Because we talk about Star Trek on the show. But um, oh, see, that's no, no, not... no. I'm saying because, of course, you know her from V. No, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> yes, that's my most famous <laughs> credit. No, I really. The time I was a lizard. We're all huge, huge uh, fans of her work on uh, Battlestar Galactica, Ron Moore's brilliant reinvention, and of course. Uh, you know, before that, there was. I, we got to talk about Dark Angel because there's so many horror stories oh about goodness. that. We have to go back to your beginnings in go Vancouver. Yes. We'll, we'll get to that. And uh, fun. And of course, um, you know, I've been chastised in the past for like having people who have nothing to do with Star Trek on the show, even though it's supposed to be <laughs> Glorious Trexperts. But Robert Forster died because of you. I had Robert Forster coming on the Wasn't show to talk about the black hole for the 40th anniversary of the black hole. And, and, and Darren says, no, he shouldn't be on the show because it's not Star Trek. Yeah. I said, no, Black And on Hole, that day, he died. <laughs> no, he no, passed away. No, no, he was all set to do the show. He was all set to do the show. And you're like, no, he shouldn't be on a Star Trek show because Black Hole is not Star Trek. I didn't wow. say he shouldn't be on the show. I said he shouldn't talk about the Black Hole. And it, obviously he was very he was pre- He was very miffed. Look, in all seriousness, you know, uh, when we're recording this episode, Robert Forster just died. I have to say, one of the most wonderful... Uh, nicest gentleman actors uh, I've ever I've ever met, uh, and everyone says it. You know, you people Absolutely. when people you know pass away, people always find the nice things to say about them. And sometimes it's very hard, <laughs> as we know. Uh, but in in the case of Robert Forster, he truly was 
one of the uh, the nicest guys, uh, you know, and and just super talented. And you know, had I thought it had been more agile in my thinking, I would have said, well, he did star in Medium Cool with Mariana right. Hill, right. who was in Dagger of the Mind Correct. as Helen Noel. So that should have qualified him to be on the show. Absolutely. Now you six tell degrees me. of Star Trek. Well, I just want you to but know. If you had actually told me about your plans to have Robert Forrester on, I told then maybe you. I could go along with I it. Told no, you told you. me I would, afterwards. Yeah, then he would have deigned it as I, I, I would have I would have changed <laughs> the heavens and earths to yeah. keep him alive. Well, because you do look like God. Well, you just promoted Santa Claus. He said he looked like Santa. Now he Santa looks Claus. like God. Santa Claus slash God has a lot of power. You know, many faces. <laughs> One voice. <laughs> he, 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 you know, we usually say it looks like Orson Welles, but I think he'll go with, now you had to say God, and I think I, it's going to well, go with You're going to give me a complex here. Exactly. Well, anyway. Not that I mind. We, we yeah. do, the point being, I can't Just be like it. our president. Um, <clears throat> He's not my president. I have better hair. He's the man in the White House. Yeah. <laughs> and I use the term man lightly. Light, all right, all right. Okay. On so, to our show. On to our show. <laughs> well, look, we're very happy because, of course, you know, Reka uh, played um, Tori Foster. I said Tori Foster already, which I can't I keep coming back to Galactica. My, my, I can't say it. Uh, Commander Landry on Star it. Trek Discovery. Yes. And uh, so you're, you're kind of like this sci-fi icon. Oh. Right. No uh, matter what you're in, we're glad to see you there. Thank you. Exactly. Thank that's, you. That's the bottom line, isn't it? Um, you guys started watching Limetown yet? No. Oh, oh. No. Get on it. Okay. You want to do a little? I haven't even gone through Lemontown. All this stuff I have to watch now. (laughs) You know when they call the martini on. Never mind. Uh, So anyway, let's talk. I mean, you you know, you you were born in uh, Canada. Obviously, Mm -hmm. working on a lot of those early shows in um, in Vancouver, where. You know, our audience may not know. I mean, you know, they call it Hollywood West because it basically there's more going on in Vancouver than there usually is going on. Even in, though it's technically it's, east of Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, north, no, they, it's they, just they, Hollywood they North. Hollywood yeah. West, but not be, North Hollywood, yeah. which is a We're totally in different West thing. Hollywood, Hollywood right. West would be the it's Pacific. Early. Right. <laughs> the bagel is still working its way through. You know, these morning shows, I'm at my worst. So, Aaron. <laughs> which is oh, no mean feet. Oh, my God. Darren. <laughs> Yes, Mark. Yes. <laughs> why don't we Why don't we talk about Hollywood North for a sec? <laughs> oh my God! Uh, can we start over? That, no. Um, so anyway, um, the beautiful I talk hills about of Canada. Burnaby. What's it like? No, I want to talk about you know getting started. Socialism. You know, <laughs> socialism. <laughs> Healthcare. Uh, how about that novel concept? Uh, tell us a little bit about you know sort of initially getting you know just deciding you wanted to be an actor and what it was like in Canada mm-hmm. because of course you worked on so many of those sort of seminal genre shows of the 90s you know dark 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 angel smallville you know shows that you know are beloved today and just you know, tell us a little bit about getting your start um well, <clears throat> i always feel kind of funny thinking back to dark angel and smallville cuz <clears throat> what i sort of consistently got especially dark angel was my first tv gig and I remember showing up on set, and I've always had this deep, sort of commanding voice, <clears throat> and people just buy it, you know, <laughs> like like I know what I'm talking about. I'm not Doctor Smart, and uh, as 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 Jess, I'm different kind of smart. <laughs> um, <laughs> as Jessica said, as soon as she saw me on set, was you're our corner. You're this. Is she old enough to have gone through medical school? I was like, shh, 
first on job. The CW, you are first job. Yeah. First job. Don't don't Shut get up. me fired on my Shut first up. job. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was funny to start off just playing like immediately doctor roles, like, um, it's you know the Indian thing. Uh, and a <clears throat> and a deep voice got me those jobs. And you mastered techno babble immediately. Exactly, you, your whole career would be no like... idea. And then, did you guys see John Doe too? Speaking of techno babble, no, that was another one of did those you? shows I did. I did early on. You did? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of a cool premise. But it was only lasted like a season, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that was my first sort of big recurring okay. part, right? It was in like eleven episodes or something. I can't remember. Um, but that was a lot of techno babble. Yeah. It's, it's brutal. I'll tell you, you know, it, it's interesting when people talk about Dark Angel. Dark Angel was in a sense, you know, it was a huge show for Fox. Was, James Cameron was the executive producer. Um, it was, I, I believe, greenlit for two seasons before it even aired. It was kind of that, uh, it was, it was the, the Netflix show before there was a right. Netflix in a sense. Mm. Um, but it was also notoriously kind of, uh, you know, just trouble, you know, hugely over budget, super ambitious, right. you know, and, and Cameron directed the pilot, if mm -hmm. I remember. Yeah. Um, what, what do you remember about that exper experience at all? Was it, you know, I mean, obviously it's sort of insular as an actor. You're in your trailer, you go out to set, you do your bit. But was there a sense that you were working on something like this enormous uh, thing that was going on around you? And Yeah, there was. I mean, it was my first gig, so I, I really didn't have you know, anything to compare it to, really. But, um, but yeah, James Cameron, that name is like, and then Jessica Alba, like, just how huge she was. Like, I knew I landed a really good first gig. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, yeah, I, you know, uh, was kind of blown away by how much time and money was spent on, I mean, I, it, no matter what the show is, it is kind sure. of mind-boggling right. how much money is spent in this industry. Um and more all the time. Yeah. I mean, it's just insane at this point what some of these shows cost. Yeah. I mean, you look at something like The Alienist or, um, you know, some of these huge Netflix shows. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, this is why people say, why don't people go to the movies? Because television is bigger than, than movies now. I mean, it's just, I mean, Altered, did you watch Altered Carbon at all? I did. I mean, enormous. Yeah. I mean, yeah. well, it's a, sometimes, you know, things wind up on the screen and sometimes they, they don't wind yeah. up on the well, screen. Yeah. You know, there are production decisions that kind of drive costs kind of unnecessarily. Production but, decisions made by 15 producers. Yeah, exactly. Where does, um, where does disco rank in that? Sorry. Oh, no. Okay. Okay. Disco is pretty high. pretty high. They're pretty yeah. high. Because that was, for me, uh, the I've never seen that kind of money. Yeah. Yeah. Disco, and I've worked on a lot of stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Disco has a big above the line because you not only have the rights fees to well in the at the, when you were working on it to the Roddenberry's estate, um, but then you have uh, you know Secret Hideout, which you know gets a huge chunk. Mm. Um, it's not as rich as uh, Bad Robots deal was for the movies, but it's a f pretty big deal. And then. Um, uh, you know the amount and, of money they're spending. Well, and I mean, and reshoots. Well, yeah, and the startup costs because when they built those sets in Toronto, originally they built them. They built them elevated because they were going to puppeteer a lot of the aliens when Brian was still mm. running the show. Really, and then that all changed when he left. Right. But I mean, those sets were huh. enormously expensive, and because they're limited they in terms great. of where they can go, uh, in terms of locations. Uh, both because of the future and because it's Toronto in the winter, um, 
you know, there's so many standing sets and swing sets, and just it's, it's crazy. I'm, um, it's it's. Uh, I mean, what what's the last thing you heard, Darren, about the budget for Discovery? I I haven't heard any any specific things, but uh, you know, they they are certainly on uh, on par and a little higher than HBO's biggest things, and HBO's are fifteen million an episode. Yeah, I'd, I'd heard something around like twelve that. was yeah. the number I had heard, yeah. but um, um, it's it's an astounding amount of money. And I mean, you look at the show, whether you like the show or not. I mean, there are huge production values. I mean, yeah. particularly you look at the, the the premiere of the second season. It's just... and obviously they think it's worth it. Yeah, you know, or else they wouldn't keep doing it. Yeah, there's obviously someone's making money from this. Yeah. No, and that was part of uh, you know the big thing with the Netflix deal because CBS All Access is only in the states. Right. So um, and isn't Canada also a CBS All Access? I think it's just here. No, you yeah, have to so watch they, it a different way. Yeah. So they sold sold in Canada and then everywhere else in the in the world. It's um, it's on Netflix, and they got a very rich right. Netflix deal, which made it possible to sort of well, Netflix paid right. for the first season. Yeah, but pretty. basically, it's huh. as I understand it, it's a it was. Obviously, it's intended to be a Star Trek show and therefore popular and beloved by by millions of people the world right. over, but also a bit of a loss leader for CBS All Access um, to drive subscriptions right? Yeah. because they don't have all of that much to really start pulling in the subscribers and, sure. and you know making revenue. So it's uh, it's it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how the franchise evolves Although on CBS All for, Access. But for it's uh, evolving for the fast. full, yeah. for the full yeah. HD time. transfers of Brady Bunch. <laughs> It's worth it to get CBS All Access. Wait, did they do high def transfers <laughs> of Brady Bunch on CBS All Access? CBS All Access. So, like, on Hulu high def, there can be no toilet in the bathroom. That, that especially on you know, high def. I, I gotta leave because I'm going to watch yeah. Brady Bunch and, and high def yeah. on uh, on uh, CBS All Access. It looks amazing. I got glorious. Brady Spurts. Brady yeah, joke. I, that's, <laughs> right. uh, you know, I, if I had the time, I, I think we'd have to roll out that podcast right away. Um, but I do want to. I do want to say. Uh, you know, we we're talking about. Uh, let, you know, let's let's talk a little bit about Discovery before we jump back to Battlestar Galactica. But it's interesting. You know, just talking about CBS All Access, the fact that we talked about how that is driving subscribers and that's mm-hmm. the metric which they use. And now that Galactica is being used the same way by Universal right. mm. to drive people to Peacock. Peacock is the new streaming platform from uh, Universal. What an unfortunate name. <laughs> that's what everybody <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Is it any worse it, than it, the acronym STD on no, it's uh, really uh, Discovery? No, it's, 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 it's better than that. But, but <laughs> thankfully, no, it's actually, nobody's using Oh, I S- don't think TD. so. Not in polite company. Right. Yeah. No. Not to praise. It's an interesting show. sentence. Yeah. Weird um, when Sci-Fi changed its name to to Sci-Fi, which was at the time like like a venereal disease. I, I don't understand what the obsession <laughs> what? is with like inappropriately naming a network. Okay, I'm I'm waiting for the social media now. Says you guys usually do such in depth, interesting, compelling interviews, <laughs> yeah. and then like what happened? They're gonna say what, what, what happened today. It started um, with the bagels. It's early. Yeah. It's, it's, I know we usually don't do guests for the first one so we can warm up. Anyway. <laughs> it's all my fault. It's all your fault. It's all right. Uh, but anyway. We'll, so, we'll, we'll get in depth. Yeah, and I want to get to Galactic, but I think we should probably, because, uh, you know, this is a Star Trek podcast, let's talk about Discovery. Um, was it the traditional way that you got cast in terms of just uh, basically your agent called and said some breakdowns and we have interest in you for a role in the show? Or it, Yeah, I mean, it's... It's always a little different with with uh, Trek auditions because they're, they're very top secret. Mm-hmm. So you get the sides, sort of, 
they will literally there's a message they will self-destruct if you do any one of a b or c like there's only one way that you can and of course i was like uh, at a photo shoot in a makeup chair when the audition came in and they wanted it for like 8 a.m the next morning Mm. (laughs) and it's like 6 p.m and i'm like awesome how am i even get this printed up and uh, can i just not be in all of the pictures quite at the top of the shoot so I can try to memorize and they were like they were great they totally helped me out Um, but yeah I just um, put it on tape and there was a really quick turnaround Um, I got a call like 48 hours later saying from my agent saying you booked it and pack your bags you're on you're flying out on Sunday and this was Friday you're going to Hollywood East yeah, Hollywood East. <laughs> now you got it. Northeast. Um, and uh, yeah, he was like, pack your bags for like two months. So you knew that it was at that point that it was not going to be a series regular, even though you were in the pilot, that they were going to kill you off. I didn't. Okay. I didn't know. They they were just saying, this is what we know so far. Mm-hmm. So pack your bags for two months. That's all we're you mm-hmm. know guaranteeing. But they weren't saying what. So. Right. So you found out when you got the script? Yeah. Landry dies. I know. So when you got... And I had really thought it was going to be recurring throughout mm-hmm. the season, given the nature of the role and... Certainly how the character was written, it felt yeah. that way. Yeah. So, yeah, apparently it wasn't a unanimous <laughs> yeah. decision, but it... Really? That's how it went down. Sure, sure. Well, it's interesting in that you... Um, you know, it's a role that is not traditionally that kind of Star Trek role because she's not warm and fuzzy. No. You know, she's not, a, you know, happy-go-lucky, uh, you know, unicorns and moonbeams. No. Uh, you know, she, uh, so <laughs> was was that surprising to you? Was that something that attracted you to the role? Um, I mean, it, what was it about? Honestly, it frightened me. It frightened me and it worried me. I, I read the sides and they were like, for whatever you guys saw on camera, just amplify that by like 10 because the sides are like made up too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, they, sure. they, they don't not necessarily what's being used in the script. And I was looking at it. I remember saying to a friend, "I feel like I'm auditioning to play like an imperial officer in mm. Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so mustache twirling, mm-hmm. like yeah. <laughs> like really evil." But I was like, "That's what's on the page. I guess they want to know if I can go there." So I just went there as best as I could, and it was it was hard to be that tough yeah and in fact when my agent called me i after i squealed like a little girl with excitement <laughs> oh my god i'm gonna be on star trek um then i was like oh ryan he was like what i was like i don't know if i can do this part he's like uh what, what do you mean <laughs> i was like it's so hard this is like the toughest character i don't know if i can pull this off and he was like um you booked the part, so they believe you can pull. I was like, oh, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think we're going to turn this one down. Dang. Yeah, I was like, I don't know. I don't know, man. This is hard. Um, I, 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 so here's the question. But yeah, it, it, it freaked me out. Just sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah, please. Because I am uh, a Trek fan. and That was uh, my question. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> one mind. We can share. Um, to see you know, how dark the script was going. And, uh, you know, I love the gritty reality version of things. I mean, I just saw Joker and Mm -hmm. uh, that's the grittiest um, uh, 
co- comic book movie I've ever seen. Um, and you never I, saw Howard the Duck, right? <laughs> Guilty pleasure. Now I see Howard the Duck in my head. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Something about that. I never. <laughs> a gritty <laughs> reinvention of Howard. We could the do Duck. a whole podcast. Yeah. Joaquin about Joker, Phoenix is actually going to play Howard the Duck. It's going to be amazing. Did you? Um, yeah, did you like Joker? By the way, I mean, yes, I loved it. Okay, I, and love is a strong word for something that was so disturbing and and painful mm-hmm. to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I really thought it was very well done. I found it to be one of the most gripping things I've seen in a long time. Yeah, three. And uh, I really liked Taxi Driver, so. Well, yeah, yeah. See, I, I love Taxi Driver and French Connection and King of Comedy. Yeah. yeah. I love those three movies. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, I when I go to movies, I do my best to not read or take in any info. And I actually came to that myself. Yeah. Like, sitting there. Well, because it's hard to miss. This reminds me right? of it's a 70s kind movie. Kind of blatant. Well, and I, was I like, mean, it's beautifully driver. shot. I mean, yeah, it's, it's absolutely. Really, I mean, the, the, the filmmaking is, is superb. Yeah. Um, Anyway, yeah, okay. to but go the back to, rea- reality to, to of, Star Trek, of yeah. discovery, right? I was I was really concerned, and honestly, when I went to the premiere, I was nervous that we had gone too far, and I was delightfully surprised. I thought, no, there is still the heart of Star Trek. There is still a story that is about hope, and and it's just being told in a more realistic way because the Dark Knight of the Soul <laughs> is harsh. Mm. Right. It's it's not easy for any of us to face ourselves. And um, that's what I love about Trek. So I feel like we're uh, disco is doing a beautiful job. Do you remember what it was about Star Trek that sort of, no pun intended, engaged you originally? You know, it was that mm. hopeful optimism. And I mean, w- w- you know, for a lot of people, you know, obviously some of us would say it was Shatner and mm. Captain Kirk or Leonard or what did he say? W- you know, what was it? Do you, do you remember that sort of gravitated you when you originally started watching Star Trek? A- absolutely. It was, uh, you know, I'm an Aquarius. <laughs> it was the <laughs> idealistic... Um, vision of utopia of a future you know I I was very young when I started watching it I was in elementary school I think grade four or five so were we yeah but just different (laughs) just different (laughs) just different (laughs) iterations yeah yeah so um and some some fans may have heard me say this before I was um I don't know watching like some stupid show and my brother was like oh god don't watch that hey do you want to see this cool old show it's he's like it's kind of cheesy. He's he's like a decade older than me, and mm-hmm. it's been a wonderful influence on me my whole life. And he said, but you know, if you can get past uh, how old it is, it's really cool. It's really cool. It's like try it out. And right away, I was into it. And um, being a you know a little brown girl in a super white neighborhood in North Vancouver, BC, uh, to see planets places where everybody could be equal where people were living in harmony that's that's all it took and i came home and watched trek almost every day after school eating milk and cookies you know it was the perfect awesome. combination yeah yeah, well, yeah. no and, you know look yeah. and and you talk you speak to that you know and, and that that versions of that story have been told again and again about mm-hmm. how it's the first time people saw um, people that looked like them on screen, you yeah. know, and gave them a sense that, you know, multiculturally. Yeah, I mean, Michelle. I mean, it's it's it's, and and the fact that there's a way to fit in and that we can all work together and people aren't judged by, you know, their physical appearance and and and, you know, it sounds kind of like, 
you know, Pollyannish, but I think you hear all these stories and, and it, it's so potent and it's so obviously so powerful. And we're all brought to Star Trek for different reasons. And it seems like that is, you know, should be at the center of any Star Trek. Ultimately, that is what's really important. I think what's interesting about your character is this is in any other Star Trek or any, generally it would be some guy and you right. hate him immediately. Right. Yeah. But the fact that you know, you played that the fact role. That we could hate you immediately. Right. Well, you, you're saying wonderful. she um, can't be this loathsome, what, right? You know, it's like my characters are. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> you, you are sort of getting pigeonholed. I mean, it's like what they did with Tori too. But like, that's I know, another. Right? Um, but the uh, you know, did, did you ever think when you knew that it, it was going to be sort of mirror universe that um, this was. Uh, Okay, this explains it. Maybe she's from the mirror universe. That's, That's why thinking. she's acting like this. Right. Well, she was pretty loyal to Captain Lorca and seemed to know like what was going on in his head. Just that that kind of got dropped. I believe that. I, I'll yeah. take that retcon fan theory. I mean, I I knew from it, the scenes got cut, and there's one line that I say in Disco that sort of tipped off what was happening. Um, between Lorca and I, where I say to him, uh, anything for you, Captain, or something like that? I can't remember. And, you know, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. it's it, it, there's a hashtag me too kind of situation <laughs> going on um, that, um, you know, since we finished the show now, you know, we've done the video game where I learned more about, um, they created more about uh, Landry's background that made her so tough um but what i did know at the time was that she was being manipulated and abused by her captain mm. so um see that's that, an interesting story i would have liked to have seen yeah <laughs> and unfortunately that scene got cut and right. all that was there was that one line that sort of that one moment between us mm. which a lot of people picked up on but mm. maybe not enough to really um sell what that was about but right. and maybe you know because they didn't want to give it away too much either possibly that he was um, Mira Lorca the sure. whole time, and there was, you know. Did you know that they were going to have you back at the t- tail end of the season t- once they went no. to the Mirror Universe? So that came as a surprise. You just get a call from your agent. Oh, they want you back in Toronto, and you're like, yeah. Yay. Yeah, I was very happy. Yeah. Yeah. Because it must be nice. It's like going back to summer camp where all your friends are still. Oh, my God. I couldn't wait to see everybody. <laughs> it is like the most beautiful group of people. Yeah. It, 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 I mean, I will say that. I mean, anytime you see the cast and you tend to you, you tend to be able to just, look, I worked on Castle, so I know when people are putting up a front that they like each other. <laughs> so um, but but, you know, it, it really one thing that really comes across with that Discovery cast is they really genuinely do seem to just really love each other and really get along, yeah. which is great because it was like that for the Next Generation cast, too, yeah. where it really is the only other Star Trek show where the cast like really gelled and, right. you know, and it's nice. It's nice because that's what you want to see. It's what you hope for from any show. Yeah, and I, I feel that, too, with the Next Gen cast and, you know, like the Next Gen and the disco people come together and it's like a big love fest. It's mm-hmm. amazing. <laughs> it's really sickening. <laughs> no, 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 wait! I didn't mean that. That, that was the that was the mirror, Darren. Oh, <laughs> well, you know, hey. He's got the goatee. So. Good to have you back. <laughs> but it's good that they have all these ancillaries that you can continue. Like even after your character is dead, yeah, spoiler alert, you can explore all these other facets of your character. You know, in the video game. Yeah, and yeah. The, the, you know, uh, I'm sure there'll be fan films eventually, and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, it definitely feels like a like a family situation where, you know, you're not going to get completely forgotten about 
And then there's that whole world of conventions, which I guess you would probably wade it into earlier with some of your other work like Galactic, yeah. but not to the extent that it probably happens with Discovery. Yeah, it's a whole different level. Whole different level. The Star Trek fan base is massive. And very determined. And very yeah. determined, yeah. very very loyal and like the sweetest people on the planet. And very lacking boundaries. Do they boundaries. treat you differently having played <laughs> a character that's so, um, well, for lack of a better word, not warm and fuzzy? I mean, they don't ever confuse you with your character. I mean, they get the fact that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I haven't experienced that. I, I, you know, early on doing the Battlestar um Conventions. I remember the <laughs> one of the first things that I realized was that people had never seen me smile. Yeah. Oh my god! People would come to my table and be like, "Oh my god, you have such a beautiful smile!" And wow, you're so nice. I'm like, oh, "Are you aware right? that your arms like, are different lengths?" Yeah, my arms. <laughs> you're so lopsided. <laughs> you're always reaching. Um, <laughs> so we're calling back to call back to that, something that no one else yeah, has heard. That's all right. That's all right. Fill in the blanks. It's retroactive it. continuity. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so people yeah. were like, they were like, oh, wow, you, you do smile. You are a nice person. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> yeah. you're, not, you're not stealing babies. Uh, so um, <laughs> let, me, uh, let, let me ask you about Galactic. Because obviously that's such a special experience. And it, it, yeah. it's a show that- So say you, we all. Yeah, so- uh, <laughs> There's that, a book about Galactic called So Say I We All. Really it's fat. really good. It's yeah. really fat. Yeah. I ate a lot of bagels, that book. <laughs> and <laughs> it's, it's, it's a giant tome. It's so fat you it could call a it a tome. tome. It's and, a totally uh, a tome. It's a delightful book. It's available wherever you uh, listen uh, by uh, hardcovers, or, or you can even uh, read the Kindle version. Um and it's available now. I want to ask folks. you a direct question. About, <laughs> I want to ask a direct question about Galactica. Okay. What the heck was the Cylon's plan? Why are you asking? Why are you, why are you putting her on the spot like that? Don't wait for the translation. <laughs> like, she's a Cylon. That's that's a, that's a question, first of all, you got to ask Ron Moore. But secondly, yeah. th- that if you had read the book, So Say We All, you would know the answer. I don't need to read the book. I'm pleading the fifth. Yeah. Okay. yeah well, you know what the, the answer is. They don't know. They, no. David the Silence Ike, don't know. David they Ike, didn't know. David Ike <laughs> wrote. David Ike wrote that introduction because it sounded cool, and they have a plan. Yeah. Because it sounded like a great saga right. cell to bring people into the show, but they never knew what that was. And then they retconned the uh, the episode, the plan, the, right. the movie, the two hour movie right. that was the last movie they did. Um, to try and explain what the plan was, but it was all smoke and mirror. It was all. It was just a cool hype. It sounded like it was was just writing lost. It was all bullshit. I think it was a perception, the human perception of the whole situation. Mm. It was the lens they were looking through. Because, you know, they were paranoid, so they assumed that Cylons have a plan. Oh, that's interesting. That's good. That's a better answer. See, I like that answer. Okay. Okay. Well, the lens that isn't moving back and forth. Uh, you know, yeah, I, yeah it's just fixed. Yeah, I mean, I know early on Eddie James almost talked to the cast and a lot of people there about how lucky you are to be on the show. That you only have uh, this experience once in a lifetime to be on this show. Once in a lifetime, <laughs> yeah. experience, and that you know you should treasure it because you know stuff like this doesn't happen a lot in this business. Did, was did you have a sense of that when you were working on the show that this was something really special and atypical? I did have a sense. I didn't. No, to the degree, and you know, Eddie would lecture us. Uh, yeah, I appreciate this. You don't know, forty years I've been in this industry. 
never seen this. No yeah. Miami Vice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I did, and I and I discovered that right away um, in the audition process. I remember being in the room. I auditioned for a couple of roles before the one for Tori came along, and I was just blown away by the uh, the intelligence, by the warmth, by the um, collaborative feeling in the room I, I you know just with the producers and directors I was like these guys have great taste I remember calling a friend of mine I was like hey you know you know the show that Grace is on because that's all I knew about mm-hmm. it is our friend Grace was mm-hmm. on it some some cheesy show from the 70s yeah. she was doing <laughs> yeah. you believe she's doing a show called you know Battleship Battle Star Galactica, Galactica? <laughs> oh whatever yeah, Grace got a job great awesome good for her good for her <laughs> Battlestar, what? Um, and I remember calling my friend, and you know that show that Grace is on? I think, I know this is sometimes an oxymoron, but I think this is good television. <laughs> Which, you know, now, of course, it's not an oxymoron. Yeah, yeah. Good television yeah. is par for the course. But when the, this show was out, it was it was unusual to have really good television. Um so anyways, yeah, the, the, the audition process was wonderful. And then my first day on set, I worked with Mary McDonald. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And did the scene where we first meet my character. And uh, that experience of working with her and how generous she was and how much fun it was and how I could really play with her. And then the director, too, was so... Collaborative. Who was that? Michael Reimer on that, or Nankin? Or? No, it was uh, Eve. Um, I can't remember his last name right now. He, I, I don't know if he did much else after that. Mm-hmm. But um, I did work with Michael a lot after that. But uh, it was the first time I experienced a director to be so humble, and 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 all the directors absolutely were on this show, um, where they were just everybody, not even the directors. Everybody on this project, we were so, and this is how I think we should all work, being so focused on making the best show that we can that we don't care who comes up with the best idea. Right. Let's find it together and let's just do that. And yeah. that that was the first time that I'd really experienced that, where somebody could say to me, hey, would you mind trying this? And then and I did it. And he was like, you know what? Your idea was better. And I was like, what? Um, that was an amazing moment. Yeah. And I literally, I cried tears of joy oh. in my trailer at the end of that day. I I never thought I could be that um, artistically fulfilled in television. And right. Battlestar Galactica taught me that I could. Yeah. And directly included. Directly included. Mm-hmm. It was like everybody was valued, appreciated. And because they were, every department worked their butts off. Right. I mean, we had scripts that we were all blown away by, story, every single department was thrilled to be there and put their A game forward and was appreciated for it. And it was just like a, you know... And yet you still wrestled with the same thing that you had when you first heard about the show and when, when you heard Grace got the show. Yeah. You know, he's like, everyone you <laughs> talk to, you know, it's like, I'm doing Battlestar Galactic. It's really great. It's like, 
and it's the same thing. Oh, that '70s show remake. It's like, and it's like, it, it no, was no, no, huge really, yeah. Kill. <laughs> I, they were always fighting that, that, that. I yeah. think, and and uh, it's amazing because people who who got it, who liked it, who loved it. I mean, they got it. I mean, I mean, it's so funny. I mean, even I, I mean, I remember getting a job off of. of we were meeting on a show. And it was like we started talking. What are you watching these days? You know, when you're, you're meeting for, uh, you know, to in the writers' room, and it's like, oh, Battlestar Galactica. It's like, oh, we love Battlestar. Nobody. And it's like we had this whole Battlestar Galactica conversation. That's when we, you know, we ended up doing necessary roughness because of right. Battlestar Galactica. But it's, uh, it's, um, it's so funny that there there was this whole chip on people's shoulders. And I, I mean, I like the original, but you know, for what it is, and. Um, the people just couldn't get past the name of it. They just thought it was so silly, and and you know, not getting the Emmy recognition it deserved, and not getting you know this amazing yeah. cast. I mean, you said but yourself, hey, we we were at the UN. Yeah, you were at <laughs> the right. UN. That's right. <laughs> That's how we end the book. Uh, Ed Ed Gross wrote that chapter. Yeah, um, so there was the um, there was the whole fan backlash right. at first. Like, so the, right. the very reactionary yes. population of fans who called it New Galactica and or, you or Gino. Galactica and name only. We're there again. Yes. Wow. Um, yeah, Galactica and name oh, only. But yeah. uh, that took a while for people to kind of get past that. I think there's some people who never there's did. There's some people that, that yeah. never did. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, we had that with the book. We had people who said, um, I'm not going to buy the book because um, it covers that new thing. Right. You know, that, that, right. Uh, the, or Galactica name only. They would say, it's it's uh, a funny thing because I remember we watched the pilot together at your office. Downstairs. With oh the yes, that's right. That's right. We watched the pilot, and I remember all our reactions were kind of, hmm. We didn't really know what to think about it, right? Because it was so different to what we were number one expecting mm. and number two used to. And I think it right, wasn't because you had a point of reference. Uh, from absolutely, the original. I didn't have that. So. And it wasn't Ooh. until the first regular season episode thirty three that oh, I watched it, and I went. Oh my God! We this all is had amazing. The same reaction. Yeah, but I remember watching. Now, albeit it didn't have the, all the finished effects because we were watching a, right. uh, a version without the, the finished effects. But um, none of us loved the miniseries at all. Right. Really? I, I, yeah. yeah, I and loved it. And it was weird. But it was 33, really weird. Thirty-three. Oh just my, 33 we all fell in love with the show so immediately. Good. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, but even I mean even you know you you read about. The miniseries and you know what a struggle it was with the sure. network and they they didn't know what it was and you know they didn't necessarily have the money they needed to do it uh but but boy that i mean it was starting with 33 and you know the network was fighting him on that and they wanted oh could this be episode five or six we don't want to start with this one really yeah it's really interesting huh. um, always follow the network notes always <laughs> um but uh, <laughs> always cave but but it was it was really um <laughs> Really crazy, um, but I want to say, you know, you talked about Mary McDonald. What was it like for you? Here, you you're stepping on set. I mean, you've been working, but this was a big thing, and now you're working with an Oscar winner. You know, yeah. I mean, and and it's, it's is that intimidating? What was that like for you? Or you just like I'm going in, I'm doing it. Well, and... w- one thing I I I try to do is <laughs> so embarrassing. Not learn too much about the people, mm. and thankfully, I didn't. Really, I never hadn't seen Dances with Wolves. I didn't really know. I think it was so for that first day. I, I like, I kind of had an inkling she was a big deal, but I didn't realize. Mm. And I'm so glad I didn't. I had I called a friend of mine, like I think on day two of the show, and I was like, "Okay, I'm ready to find out. Tell me who Mary McDonald is." And she was like, "Are you are you joking? <laughs> you don't 
uh, Dances with Wolves. I was like, I don't know, Kevin Costner, what? Like, <laughs> you know me, I wouldn't have watched that movie. Um, <laughs> and then she, you know, all of a sudden I went, <gasps> Donnie Darko. <laughs> oh my God, she was the mom in Donnie Darko. Oh my God, she's amazing. And she's like, yeah, uh, Oscar, you know. Um, it's a mad world. Yeah. It, oh, so good. So good. So, good. so yeah, I kind of uh, delayed my fangirling. <laughs> yeah. Till the rap party. Just, I waited a couple, I think it was like the second episode that I did or something. And then they also give me um, heck for not having seen the show but I just I find it helps it's like okay I you know it's good to do your research but sometimes it's just puts a lot of pressure sure. on the the mental function I'm like you know what these are people <laughs> we're all here together we're an ensemble you know Jason Isaacs did that Harry Potter thing I don't know yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. But um, sometimes you can't, like, you just walk in and you're like, oh, that's that person. <sighs> Let me just calm down for a minute, work my way back into being human, right? Like... <laughs> now, I, I'm sure you've been asked this a million times, but uh, I, I got to ask you I mean, at what point did you find out uh, that uh, you were going to be a Cylon? And did hmm. that, you know, I know a lot of people in the cast were really sort of upset. You know, like Michael Hogan's yeah. like, I'm not doing that. That's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> you have to change it. I'm not going to do it. What was your reaction to, to uh, you know, finding out you were part of the final five? Listen, I was thrilled. <laughs> I was absolutely thrilled um, to know that, basically, that I was just going to have a killer arc coming around the corner of some kind because it was just, I mean. An electrical arc. <laughs> right up and down my spine. Woo, woo. Um, yeah, I mean, to, to just from a story point of view, to again, Dark Knight of the Soul, to discover that you are your own worst enemy. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't want to play that metaphor? Yeah, yeah. Michael Hogan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Plus, you know, if they they kill you, there are many copies. That's yes. right. So <laughs> it's so easy to come not- back. Except for final not. five, yeah, um, right. which sucked. But um, you should have asked to be like in the you know like the elite eight. Yes, rather, right, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, the elite. <laughs> the elite eight, eight is enough. Um, that's, <laughs> oh my god! Uh, yeah, that, that makes total sense. I mean, and plus, I would think it's nice because it gives you a chance as an actor to put a different spin on the character. You know, you're playing it as one thing, and now suddenly, all of a sudden, yeah, it was wide open, and and uh, it was super fun too, having conversations with um, with Ron about you know my inspirations for the character, and like I remember being, I was in India at the time, traveling with my parents. And uh, so he asked me to just write an email with all my thoughts, and that that email went to the writer, the writer's room. And uh, wait, let me. I uh, just I, I want to rep- have you repeat that. Things. Ron asked you <laughs> to write an email about your thoughts about the character that went to the writer's room. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's completely <laughs> fascinating. Yeah, it was really cool. I was like, this is fun. This is very collaborative. And at the same time, too, I remember I was emailing back and forth with Barry McCreary about um, Indian classical music because he was working on, um, you know, the score for mm-hmm. for the reveal. And, um, yeah, it, it, very collaboration. collaborative, yeah. very collaborative. No, that, I mean, that honestly, that is, I think, 
a really great idea on Ron's part. I mean, because there's it costs you nothing to reach out to the actors and say, okay, you've lived inside of this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, talk to us about your process and about um, you know how you are internalizing this whole idea and like what that means to you. Because, I mean, I, I can only imagine that everybody was in uncharted territory. Yeah, you know, just trying to figure it out. So I, I I love that there was that level of collaboration with the actors. I mean, I'm assuming that he did that. With with everyone who is in that boat, right? Um, I don't know. Actually, it, it may have just been me because I was kind of the wild card. Okay, I'd be curious to ask him that. Actually, I I don't remember any of the other actors talking about having done that. So it m- might have been just right we should, yeah, yeah. Let's call Ron. <laughs> um, Hello, you're on Inglorious Trexperts. But it's yeah. a, it's a it's a great tool to to team build and to have to ask for investment. You know. Well, and just, you know, in terms of just inspiration, like, I mean, as a writer, like, you know, I'm sure y- 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 I saw it in the scripts, you know, right. bits of Trisha were, were right there that, that they worked into Caprica 6, right. you know, they, it's, I love that about uh, being on a show for a long time, that back and forth thing that starts to happen mm-hmm. where everybody is really seeing one another and pulling ideas and sharing and like, why just work with your own when there's, yeah, as you say, a person who has lived in the skin of that character yeah, for right. a while. And I mean, <laughs> I kind of wish I had written some different things. I was like, whoa, I didn't know they were going to go in that direction with all wow. the things I wrote. But, <laughs> oh, I could see how they pulled all that out. So interesting because, I, I you know, I, we finally got an answer for the book, something I had wondered about for years, which was, um, you know, we, we asked Ron, um, <laughs> did, uh, did you base Baltar? you know, James Callis' version of Baltar, on Brandon Braga, his good friend. Mm. And um, he said, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, he said it's part Brandon, part him, which was right. really, I thought, very interesting. Because I always felt there was a little bit of, you know, a lot of bit of, of, of Brandon in, in Baltar, you know. And, um, and uh, so it was, it, was, it was really interesting where he sort of takes his inspiration from. Um, and it must have been really sad when it all came to an end, you know, because, oh, yeah. you know, it's just you've been doing this now for a couple of years and you just became more and more important to that show. You start off doing this recurring role. It's like, yeah. OK, somebody and then you become like instrumental at the yeah. by the end of it all. And, if, and you mentioned I imagine working with James Callis was great. I mean, what a consummate oh professional. God. I, it was fantastic. I'll never forget the first day working with him because I had never uh, worked with such a comedic improvisational actor before mm. I was like you know all the coffee I needed was <laughs> <laughs> James Callis was a cup of coffee I was like okay <laughs> now we're doing this um, he's just you know freestyling I was like uh, kind of looking at the director like uh, okay I'm going to keep it on course here mm-hmm. I know we have to get from you know here to here by the end of the scene and I didn't know how all of his improvisation was going to work with still, like, what was I going to say so that I was actually responding to him but still fulfilling the scene. Um, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, he's uh, – I mean, just what a great ensemble in general. I mean, there's really it's not – fantastic. There's not a weak, weak, weak spot in there. And then, uh, you know, after that finish, we, we, we briefly alluded to V at the beginning of the mm. – was there anything <laughs> special about that? I mean, obviously, you got you were Vancouver, you were home, which is always nice to be 
Uh, what was what was what was V like? I mean, it was. It seems like that's a show that never really knew what it wanted to be, and mm. you know, um, obviously, uh, it, you know, it, it, the network had a lot of thoughts, and so the, I'm just curious. You know, for you, what was your experience like in that show, doing that show? Um, you know, it was. <laughs> So spoiled from Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> so spoiled. Uh, there were a lot of lovely people on that show, and there was like some good ideas, but it was hard, honestly. Yeah. Oh, God, I feel like a jerk. Um, it was hard to read those scripts after being so sure. used to reading Battlestar right. scripts, and, you know, and um, to kind of be like, God, this is just not quite landing mm. and uh, you know and just being hopeful that it was going to find its feet and um you know we all did the best we could of course sure. and uh and I'm so grateful for the relationships that I had on the show and you know it was so fun to like play a lizard you know <laughs> was just, like, you know in between takes there was a lot of playing a lizard you know we made lunch interesting though yeah, yeah. <laughs> who's for lunch um yeah no i mean we had a lot of fun and um i, I don't know what it would have taken to really dig into that story and for it to find its feet but uh so much talent on that show again in in all departments and uh Loved working with everyone, and I st still have a, a good friend from it, Charles Majeur, who played uh, Hobbs, mm. and um, yeah. It's funny, the, the parallels between the V show and Galactica were, for me, if, if the aliens coming to take us over are as beautiful as these women, <laughs> what's the problem? <laughs> I don't understand why we're fighting the Cylons. <laughs> there's, there's no Let's problem. Let's be taken over. <laughs> yeah, what, what's the big deal? <laughs> I surrender. <laughs> were you familiar with the original V at all? I mean, is that something, did you know, I mean, other than the name? I, I was a little bit. I All I remembered, <laughs> it always makes me giggle, was like kind of sneaking behind a couch when you know my parents thought I was in bed and mm -hmm. being like, "What's my big brother watching?" <laughs> <laughs> and being scared and being like, "Ooh, that's scary and sexy," and then just running back to my room right. and like right hiding. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, "Ooh, now I'm on the scary, sexy show." <laughs> Don't tell my parents. <laughs> So, do you know what's next for you? What's what's next? What are you working on these days? Um, so, I we just had uh, the premiere of Limetown, mm. starring Jessica Biel and Stanley Tucci. Yeah, you know, it's like nobody, nobody yeah. great, nobody great, nobody, nobody great. Oh my god! Now, do you know what they've worked on before? <laughs> At this point, yeah, yeah, that <laughs> Stanley that Tucci's was, really good. He may amount to something that, one day. That was unavoidable, and I had worked with with Stanley. Well, not worked with him, but worked on a movie with him once before, and I'm a huge fan. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that that was. How can you not know who Jessica Biel is? Um, it was great. Yeah. It was great. Um, and Jessica's really easy to be around. Um, such a pro and so down to earth. And um, I, I didn't really have any scenes with Stanley. Is that a spoiler? I guess that's a spoiler. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, it was a very, very um, conducive work environment. Uh, one of the chillest, most like zen sets, probably no, the most zen set you know, I've ever worked on. It's like they all have been around the corner. They've been working for a long time. Nobody's trying to, it's like whatever James almost, nobody's trying to impress you. Like, yeah. you know, it's just like, let's just do the work. And it's like, there's none of that nonsense that, you yeah. know, people are like, I'm the star. And But really, like, I think there's something to the fact that it was all these women who were just super chill. Rebecca Thomas was our director for all 10 episodes, mm. and she is just like, this is how she looks most of the time. Just, <laughs> <laughs> You're amazing. How are you doing? Let's do it again. Like <laughs> faster this time. After a while, that gets unsettling. <laughs> just, well, your homework assignment You're out so there, nice. and our homework assignment is to watch Limetown. I'm, yeah, we have to watch Limetown. Julie Kirkwood yes. is our uh, DOP for again for the whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, gorgeous. It is the cinematography is gorgeous. Um, and then Jessica was one of the EPs, and her partner Michelle Purple, and uh, and the creators of the show are uh, two guys. Zach and Skip, who are just wonderful. Like, everybody was just so nice. So nice. And uh, and we made a disturbing, chilling, mysterious show that's... Uh, the scripts were fantastic. What's the premise of the show? So, 15 years ago... Ta -da. Uh, <laughs> ta -da. Uh, there was... Uh, over 300 people go missing from a town that was created for a neurological, uh, neuroscientific, pardon me, research facility in Tennessee. Uh, you know, one of these towns that, as it does happen in America, is created for that purpose with mm -hmm. some of the greatest minds all come there and do some research. And overnight, inexplicably, they all go missing. And my character was there the day it happened. And now the series starts 15 years later when Leah Haddock, played by Jessica Biel, is now a grown woman. And uh, 15 years ago, she was a little girl. And her uncle was one of the people who lived in that town. And so she's grown up obsessed with her missing uncle mm -hmm. and this story. And now she's a, a radio journalist. And absolutely driven obsessively hell-bent on finding out what happens to her own detriment um it's a it's a dangerous web that she is trying to unweave um and uh i'm i'm keeping tabs on her and um yeah well the it's, problem with webs is there's always a spider in it Unless it's like a really old web, yeah. and then it's just annoying, and it gets in your hair. Yeah. 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 I think this Thanks, is a actually. spidery yeah. one. Okay, cool. Yeah. Hmm. And it's based on a podcast. It's based on a podcast. Oh, see? Um, so, yeah, there are a lot of fans of the podcast, and that's how we came to actually create the show, is Jessica found it. Mm-hmm. Loved, loved the podcast, and... Um, yeah, I think she contacted. I don't know all the details. Sure, but sure. That was sort of how it began. I think this podcasting thing, you know, is going to really blow up one of these I days. think it's going to take off. <laughs> I think it already has. You guys stick with it. No. Yeah, maybe someday, someday uh, somebody will turn uh, your, your, the podcast into a show. 
I hope not. God, no. I would never want to. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> well, we have to check out Limetown. Actually, I mean, I have to say, not only the fact that you're in it, but it sounds really intriguing. So I definitely want to yes. see it. When, 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 when's it on? So it's on Facebook Watch. Right. Um, and we, our first two episodes just dropped on Wednesday. We got like over three million views in the, on the first twenty four hours, which is really go. exciting. And they were all Russians. They were all <laughs> Russians. That was the worst. No, that's, well, no, they're all Russian to watch the show. Oh! What you meant to say? <laughs> no, that's Goodness. that's look, that's fantastic. So it's on Facebook Watch. It is, and we should just check it out. Jessica Biel, Stanley Tucci, yeah, and our favorite. Yes, so, little they, old me the little and some old other awesome people, lots of awesome people. That's that's fantastic. Well, look, we're so glad you finally, you, you know, we were finally able to work this out that you could be on the show. This is I great. Know. Yeah. It just took a year to get us in the same room. And, you know, you I know? mean, if nothing else, we can offer free bagels. We got water. <laughs> got all the incentive in the world to come down here. And now the so, whole world knows I'm lopsided. <laughs> exactly. The secret is out. Own it. It's okay. Live it. Well, <laughs> Thanks, thank you so much for being here and coming all the way out from coming all the flying all the way down from Vancouver. She didn't come all the way down from Vancouver. Drove across, but it sounds thank good. You. She this drove across town, which is almost as long. So uh, <laughs> we want to thank our guests. Thank you guys for being here, Ashley. Also, thank you. For uh, thanks for uh, listening to Inglorious Trexperts. And if you're a fan of this podcast, you may want to check out Electric Surge's other podcasts, including the 4:30 Movie every Friday, The Rebel and the Rogue, a Star Wars podcast every Tuesday, and my favorite, Best Movies Never Made. Every no, it's not my That's favorite. Your favorite. It's my it's second favorite. favorite next to 4:30 Get Movie. Okay, you. and Best Movies Never Made. Every other Monday. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts or if no you bagels don't for you. Rate us. Don't That's rate right. us at all. You know, no bagels for anybody who doesn't give us you five stars. Have no bagels. That's right. <laughs> and no Lieutenant Yaw. Also, a very special thanks to uh, Bill Ritter uh, here at the Electric Surge Network and our producer, Natalie. And of course, Dean Devlin, without whom this show would not be possible. So until next Saturday, keep on trekking and gloriously, of course, engage. This show is produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production.